might be a sermon title or topic that you've never heard before, which is not necessarily my goal, but it's okay, I guess. Is the current heaven a physical place? Um, I think some people would say no, and then we could go eat. Um, <laughs> we're going to look a little deeper than that. If you remember, we, we looked at the uh, last couple weeks. The very first week was about imagining, trying to, could we imagine what heaven is like? And uh, we, we talk about the people that we know who have died in the Lord and being there. Um, how much information are we given? I, I think we're given more than we think, although most of the, the uh, information about heaven is about the final heaven. Um, and we're talking about the current heaven, the, ke- the heaven, the place that God dwells, that people who loved him during their life and died are, are, are with. Um, and we'll hit this a little more, but there, those charts are out there. I mean, it's not I came up with it, so, and it's a working chart, you know, if you think, you know, I think it should be better to do, we can change it. I might veto your change, but um, you make your own chart. But the, uh, when we look at this, we're, we're talking about what we call, you know, current heaven here, uh, the place where people go when they die now. And the question, is it physical? It seems like kind of an odd question to some extent, but we're gonna, what, we do, what you do with these things there's not a book we can go to called Heaven in the Bible that we can just go chapter one, two, and three and figure. It, you got what we call systematize this. You take pieces, and that's what we'll do today. But one one defeater that people uh, and and I think it, it's one to talk about quickly. Does John four twenty four make it impossible for the current heaven to be physical? Um, this is the a, a dialogue that Jesus is having with a woman at the well in Samaria. And he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And some people think, well, that's a, that is a defeater, that God is spirit. Um, and maybe it is, <laughs> which would make this a much shorter sermon also. But we see some things going on in Scripture that sometimes hard to explain. And when you get done with this, we're not going to know for sure, but what, am I, what are we trying to do? Trying to think about it more. We said that, you know... Um, the ones who think about heaven the most are the ones that are going to do most for God now. Uh, and sometimes in life, I suppose we all go through that to some extent where things aren't very good, and we just, but you always, they can't take that away, right? They can't take heaven away because it's promised, no matter how bad anything gets. And I hope you think about it during good times too, um, but it does help us there. Now, we're going to start with just some scriptures, that, and these are, to me, are kind of interesting, so that's why it's in the sermon, but um, God can take on physical form. Um, we see this, I think, in the garden uh, before the fall uh, of mankind, and they, this is Adam and Eve after they fell, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Well, that's kind of interesting. It's like, you know, they were physical. We, we know that. Um, and it would be kind of, and I don't, it's easy to get kind of sarcastic or almost flippant about this, but it's like, I don't think he walked in. They didn't, where, where are you? We can't see your, your spirit. You know, in fact, spirits don't walk anyway, do they? I mean, maybe they do. Um, but there's, and maybe this is kind of a metaphor. I don't know, but it seems like it, but it even gets more like that. You get, on the plains of Mamre, Abraham, who's been called by God in, both, in 12, chapter 12, 15, and 17, we call it the covenant through Abraham, 
The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. This is an odd text. It's been odd for millennia. So you've got, what you end up happening is there's three men, three Adama, uh, physical forms, uh, that one of them's called the Lord. And anytime you see capital L-O-R-D in an English translation, that's Yahweh. That's kind of the, the name of, of, of God. Um, so he's physical there, right? Um, and then there's two other persons. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the, the big one, and I had that earlier, you got the Genesis, and there's a lot of these, not, not as many, uh, not a ton, but there's a dozen or so. But what about Jesus? Now, we're going to say he was physical, right? I mean, we're not going to have a Christmas program and there's going to be like a spiritual Jesus in the manger, right? You know, that would work, I guess, on the stage. You're just like, well, he's in there. Well, I can't see him. Well, he's there. He's just spiritual. You know, I mean, isn't that the whole idea that Jesus became flesh, you know? So, if, if we believe that Jesus is God, which is what we teach, and if you look at our statement of faith, the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Word became flesh, you know, that He became physical. So obviously we know God could take on physical form. So, and holy angels can too, right? We're going to get this in, in, at the Christmas time. You got two times in Luke. Um, you can look those verses up. But the first one's to Zechariah in the temple, and he takes on physical form. The second one there is to Mary, you know, how that works, we've talked about. I, they, she can see him. Um, there's a phys- some lights coming off of him somehow. Um, and then kind of back to this Genesis 18, what are the other two forms there? One's the Lord. The other two end up going to Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. And they go into Lot and they try to, they end up getting them out of there and all that kind of stuff, and then that gets destroyed, and they're called angels. So now we got angels there that take on physical form. So, and then you have this, Hebrews is a great book to kind of summarize a lot of the Old Testament stuff, but do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Some people believe this is actually talking about Genesis 18 at its core, but I don't know think that we could do that? Do you think about that lot? <laughs> Probably not till now, right? It's, it, but the whole idea I'm trying to get, that if, if, if you were unaware you were entertaining an angel, wouldn't they have to be physical? I mean, if you can, you have, I always have to close my eyes to do this, but if you can imagine somebody knocks on your door and you come and you open and there's nobody there, but then you see footsteps on your carpet, and then they sit down, and then you hand them a cup of coffee, and it just kind of floats in the air. Would you be unaware that was an angel? <laughs> when you think, there's something going on here. So obviously, they, they have to be taken on physical form. At least they did then. Um, so why might we hesitate thinking about heaven now as physical? Um, and I think, again, this is a little hard when you do sermons this way because we're going to get into a lot of, we'll hit the chart at the end. But this is this kind of trying to figure thing. This is how you do theology. This is how you figure out your life. 
Uh, Francis Schaeffer, one of my favorite authors, passed away a while back, but he always called you, 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 you come up with what's called your theological house. What's in your house? You know, like for us, our statement of faith, that, that's part of my house. But this is like, you're trying to figure out, is this possible? And why wouldn't we think it's possible? Well, this is a, <laughs> a term coined by a couple of theologians a while back. Um, it's a big term, but it's not that hard. Crystal Platonism, doesn't that sound cool? If you drop that, boy, people think you're smart. But if you're, they think you're a little smarter if you actually know what it means. Um, Plato, with the T, not the stuff you like to play with, with the D, uh, not Play-Doh, but Plato, was a Greek philosopher, uh, predated Christ by a few centuries. And he had what he believed was these true forms, that everything that was really true was, was spiritual, non-physical. And he, he actually said that the physicalness is a liability. And if you think about it, if we're thinking about that in our day and age, I mean, I'm lucking out here and I'm not trying to, I'm not going to name names, but are there any days when you think your physical form is a liability? I mean, we all have that, right? I mean, and the older you get, the more liability it becomes, you know. You know, I was... It, it, I know they call it over the hill, but it seems like after you get past that, you're actually going uphill, not down. But it's just harder to get up, you know, period. <laughs> you know? But that's the thing. So I, I think this gets in our mind. And we think about when we die, what happens? Well, our soul goes to return to the Lord, and then that shackles is gone. You have people that die when they're very sick and they're not, you know, able to eat. And, all, and, and that's always a, well, that's a blessing. And I think it is. And so you see why this is here, but what creeps in is that the non-physical is the best and truest, and that physicalness is evil. That is not biblical at all. And we have to be careful with this. Um, another vestige of this, it's not on your outline, but another vestige of this comes from, uh, you see this in 1 Corinthians, he's talk, it's called Gnosticism. It's the, it's the same thing as this. It's the idea that do whatever the heck you want with your body, it's the soul that matters. In 1 Corinthians 6, when Paul says that your, your body is a temple, you know, and don't, you know, don't turn it into a prostitute and all these things, that sexual sins really matter. Because what was happening in Corinth is they were saying, oh yeah, follow Jesus, it's all spiritual, it's great, go ahead and do whatever you want. Sin boldly, your spirit. It's not biblical there, and it's not biblical when we think about that. Because you look back in Genesis 2-7, which I think is the wrong citation in your bulletin, but here it's right. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So we are a body-soul combination. That's when we're living. It, that's the way it was supposed to be. Talked about this on Sunday morning uh, Bible study the last month, I think, where we went through Genesis 3 with a fine tooth comb, probably finer than most people wanted. But, uh, but you look at that, that's the way it was supposed to be. Eden was a physical place. This is physical, it's never just esoteric, floaty stuff. Um, and you get this later for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And who, who did that first? You know, if we, at Easter time, 
Good Friday, we're going to celebrate the cross, right? That Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. And did he have a spiritual resurrection or a bodily resurrection? I mean, he bent over backwards, as they say, to make sure, you know, touch, see, I'm not a spirit. I'm not only a spirit. He came back bodily, and then we get all the first fruit. If he did it, then we do it. So body is not bad. I know in our life it seems bad sometimes. I kind of, there's days I'd like to float above my bed and not worry about it. But I understand, this is the fallen nature that we're talking about. So in current heaven, where there would be no sin anymore, it's a little different, you know. But the key biblical reality that refutes it is, again, Jesus. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. And to the fact that Jesus took on flesh shows it's not bad. It's what was always intended. And we start thinking about what's in heaven. You know, if we remember how we define that, if somebody asks you, how would you define heaven? It's where God dwells. And that's an inter- where God dwells. It's a place. And Scripture teaches that the current earth is a copied realm and the current heaven is the source realm. We see this. It says these priests serve in a system of worship that's only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. Hmm. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him the warning, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown here on the mountain. And he shows him a pattern of the heavenly temple. And this is just a copy which is kind of interesting. It looks physical. No, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. So you get that again, a copy. You know, the the tabernacle and the temple was a copy of what was in heaven. And then you get, we do get some information about what happens when someone dies. And and this is usually a narrative. And we all kind of know this kind of back to Good Friday time. You know, there were two... uh, thieves. I don't like that translation. It probably would be better translated insurrectionist. Um, You didn't get crucified for taking candy bars. You got crucified for murder and insurrection against Rome. And so these two guys on the, if you translate, it's better, you know, somebody who they probably killed some Romans. You remember Barabbas that got released before Jesus? Most people think, at least scholars think, that he was the one that was supposed to be on the middle cross. The other two were his cohorts. You know, they got what they deserved and Barabbas did not. You know, so these thieves, bad dudes, getting what they deserve. In fact, the one thief says that. The one criminal says that, doesn't he? We're getting what we deserve. This guy didn't do anything wrong. And then he, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's some, some spiritual thing going on there and he's understanding. And what does Jesus say to him? Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. We get that word paradise. And I, I haven't done it on here, but like I said, we can do this chart again. This is, th- this is a synonym for the current heaven. It's just another word. It's a, it's a Persian word that means enclosed garden. It's very physical. Um, it's used for the Garden of Eden also. We see it in Revelation 2. Anyone who hears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. It's kind of another, where was the tree of life? Where was that at? Where do we first see that? First see that in Eden. Uh, 
now in the current heaven, but eventually in the final heaven, we're going to see it again. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So what the Bible teaches really is that Eden was not destroyed, but man's access to it. You remember how, how God made sure he, they weren't going to go back in there? He put up like an electric fence. There was, there was angels there, which would be worse than like, you get hit by an electric fence, you'll get back up, maybe. <laughs> if you get hit by uh, an angel, I don't think you get back up, you know. But now we think Eden is in heaven and eventually will come down in the final heaven. But if it's in heaven, is it physical? You know, it's one of those things. You think of our bodies now, and this is the problem with it. They decay, and our soul separates at death, right? We know that. I've done a number of funerals. You, you know people who have died. What happens? Well, Paul says it. You know, we're fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then will we be at home with the Lord. But the way he puts that's interesting, way, earthly bodies. So here's a conjecture, and this, this is all, so if you don't like this, then don't get mad at me, get mad at Randy Elkhorn, because this is where it comes from. This is, I never thought of this, to tell you the truth. I never thought about maybe seeing heaven as now as a, maybe some physicalness to it. But is it possible that we get, an, and he calls it an intermediate physical body in current heaven? God may grant us some physical form that will allow us to function awaiting our resurrection. And you start thinking about that, I, I just never thought of it. And my first thought, and maybe your thought is too, well, no, no, that's just wrong. But I started thinking, well, why is it wrong? Is it, it, it always asking, is it possible? Not that it's sure. And why does this matter? Well, we want to get what's right, don't we? We don't want to teach what's wrong. And for me, it helps me understand and think about that more. I don't know, think about whoever you want. Think about somebody that, you, that uh, you loved, that you knew was a believer that has died. Think about them. For me, it's easier to think about them in a physical form. When I start thinking about them as Casper, I have trouble. <laughs> it just, so it is, it's, it's real, it's more real that they're, you know, because we talk, talked about, are they just up there in a spiritual form, plucking a spiritual harp on a spiritual cloud, spiritually bored. And I hope not, you know. And we're going to look at a few scriptures about people who are in the current heaven and see what they're doing. Isn't that fun? It's always nice to see these scriptures that come in. So, so and this is the key, obviously. We don't ultimately know. This is just a conjecture, and uh, to kind of paraphrase C.S. Lewis in some of his books, if this helps you, grab onto this, get into it understand it, make it, if it makes you closer to God, what God gives you. If it screws you up and messes you up, forget it, don't ever talk about it again, move on. But I think it might be something to, to think about. So if you want to follow along, we're in Revelation, um, which doesn't have an S, and if you do say Revelations, I will correct you, um, but uh, <laughs> just a pet peeve. You know, just like, it's not that. It's not Matthews and Luke's, right? It's not revelations, um, it's a revelation. So in chapter six, uh, uh, we have a picture. We, don't, we have a few times we have pictures. This is about the only place in the Bible we get this. There's one in Luke and we'll look at that real quick. But you look at this, when he opened the fifth seal, this is the seven seals, 
I saw under, the, and the eye there is the Apostle John, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Now just think about that for a minute. What did he see? He saw souls. How does somebody see a soul? I'm looking around, I see bodies. Do you have a soul? How come I can't see it? Can you see mine? Is this thing on? You see what I mean? It's, it's a little hard, but he sees the souls, you know? It's kind of, there's got to be some sort of form there for him. Um, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until their number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Well, they gave us, if, I don't, it seems to me if it was just a spiritual soul, you put the white robe, it's go right to the ground. It's just interesting. It's physical in some ways. And I know we can explain it in other ways. And then you go a little further into, into chapter 10. Uh, you see how it's physical language. And maybe it's something that uh, John could only see. I don't know. But then you, he says, I, I, I went to the angel and told him to give me a little, the little scroll. And he said, take, eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. So you got tasting and eating and physicalness again. So you get these physical, maybe they're just metaphors, but they're in there. And then you get this weird scripture in 2 Corinthians. This is when Paul apparently has some sort of experience with God. He says, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. He doesn't seem to know. It's like, I don't know. If I was floating around my body, I think I'd know it. You know, it's just kind of, I've never caught this before, but... I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words that no human is allowed to tell. So it's interesting. He doesn't tell the words he heard, although John was told to write them, and he tells his. But you get this experience that he has, and he doesn't even know if he's in his body or out of his body. It's, it's kind of interesting. And then again, Jesus again makes this makes us think about this. In, in Acts 1, and we're going through Acts on Wednesday night, if you, you want to join us, it's been, I think we're in chapter 2. So I think if we go the rate we're going right now, we'll be done in 2037, I think. I don't know. It takes a while sometimes to go through these. Jesus ascends. It said, when he had said these things to them, go be my witnesses, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, was Jesus physical when he started, I guess, going up? So was he physical when he got to heaven? Isn't that a good question? Does anybody have an answer? Me neither. But is it possible? Jesus right now, is he physical? Or did he turn back to spiritual? Hmm. If he's physical, wouldn't heaven have to be somewhat physical for him to be there? To tell you the truth, this was the kicker for me. I'm starting thinking, this has got more credence than I thought. I'm still not compelled, but this is good. This is good. And I started thinking, it's like, well, wouldn't it be cool to have an intermediate body that wasn't decaying, that never went over the hill? That would be kind of cool. And maybe 
you've got this idea of a different realm. We talked about that last week. Remember that scripture with Elisha? We're going to talk about Elisha in a minute. But Elisha is in that city, and they're surrounded, and they're going to get killed, and the servant is really afraid. And Elijah looks at him and says, what is your problem? That's paraphrasing. Um, there are hundreds and hundreds of warriors out there. And then he opened his eyes. They were already there. So a different realm. So maybe that's the difference. Maybe they're physical in this other realm, and we're in a different realm, you know. And I don't think you have to do this, but if you want to learn more about that, you can watch Star Trek. Um, they do that kind of somewhat little science fiction. It almost sounds like that, doesn't it? But able to take a different realm. And again, hopefully this helps you because you have these little pinpricks. This idea that Jesus ascended physically into heaven makes me wonder if he was still physical there and how the heck does that work? And you might be thinking, what difference does it make? Well, I didn't write this stuff. I'm just trying to figure it out like you are. And hopefully it helps you. God's got this in hand. Hopefully it helps you think whatever this current heaven paradise is, it's a great place to be. It's going to be a lot better than what we have now. I think that's part of what we, you know, we want to be with Jesus, as they say. Well, then we also have a couple other times. In Genesis 5, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And of course, it begs the question, took him where? I mean, he just took him. Physically plucked him out, he didn't die. Now, it doesn't happen often, uh, but it happened here. And then, back to Elisha, as they, Elisha and Elijah, were walking together, as they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. Now, you get the, this is where that term comes from. It's a pretty good movie if you haven't seen that. Um, it drove between the two men. That need, so separated Elijah and Elisha. Okay, there's a separation there. And we, we usually think that, that Elijah jumps into the chariot and takes off. It doesn't say that. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. <laughs> I wonder if he threw up when he got there. Well, how do you spiritually throw up? No, it's a whole other. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. But think about that. These people went into this physical. So I, there's more to it than I thought as you look at it. And we're going to hit this one later, but I just want to bring this to mind. The rich man and Lazarus. This is really the only time it really overtly is talked about in the Gospels. But you have this situation in Luke 16 where Jesus tells this parable. It's an odd parable because it's the only time when a person's name is mentioned. Usually it's a certain man went along, and this, or this guy did this, and, or this servant did that, or this ruler did that. It's, it's, he gives a name to this, which is kind of interesting. Um, and if you remember what happens, the rich man, he goes to hell. And Lazarus goes to what's called in the parable Abraham's bosom, which was another metaphor or term for current heaven or paradise. But you look, there's, there's, there's physicalness to this all the time. You know, the, the, the rich man can look across the chasm and see Lazarus. And he wants something to drink because he's thirsty and it's hot. <laughs> and you get some dialogue between them. You can read it. We'll, we'll hit this later. But you look at, you know, we have this on the chart. Um, there's a line 
this is this this chart that line through the middle is is a metaphor for the chasm you can't cross it and it says that in the parable you got no way to get from one to the other it's over uh, but you got this physical he, he's he, he, he yeah once did something to drink on his some water on his tongue now again it could be metaphor um, that's possible figurative but again it's it, why does Jesus give us this picture of heaven that's physical? Well, it's either one of two reasons. Either it is, <laughs> or he just wants us to get a, big pic a good picture of what it looks like. Um, and it is just a parable, but it's an interesting parable. Now, one note here about this. They're both conscious after death. You know, it's out there that people think that you sleep after you die. I know for some teenagers, they're thinking that is heaven. When they get older, they'll start realizing heaven, sleeping is actually quite boring because you're asleep the whole time. When people ask me, it's like, did you get a good night's sleep? Well, I don't know, I was asleep. I don't know how good it was. I guess it's how you feel when you wake up. Um, but you think about this, they're both conscious they're not sleeping. Although soul sleep is something that is kind of intriguing, I guess, to me to some extent. Um, there's nowhere in the Bible where it teaches that once someone dies, they just take a nap in heaven until the second coming. But that's, people believe that. Sometimes I would like that. The way that's usually put out is, just because I like it doesn't make it true, but the idea is that the loved one you have, you know, falls asleep in this life, and then when they wake up, it's the second coming. You, you, you know, you know that. You've had that happen, right? You lay down at 11 o'clock at night, and then you wake up, and it's like 5, and it seems like it's 11.01, I think that's when you get good sleep, right? But when you're asleep, you, time is just kind of, so that's, and I think it's got some intrigue, but again, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. It's not something to divide over, I think. But, um, but there is a consciousness in this parable. So ultimately, and you probably don't like the, the conclusion, but we, we don't know if the current heaven is somehow physical. But my point is don't dismiss it because we think physical is bad. Because we'll hit most of the sermons at the end are in the final heaven. And that's definitely physical. Jesus shows that. You know, we put that in the creed. It's always important. We do not preach and teach at Easter time a spiritual resurrection. We, we preach and teach a physical resurrection because Jesus came back physical. So physical is good. It's just in this life, things deteriorate. And it's not just deteriorate, we get hurt. I always wondered that. In the current heaven or the final heaven, can you tear your ACL? Because I did that twice, and that hurts. doesn't hurt very long. Then recovery takes forever. But we've got people here recovering from injuries. Um, will we have injuries in heaven? We'll talk about this later. Because I think we'll still hike, won't we? If you want to, and swim, and all those other things we do. But will you not get injured? Hmm, that's a good question. But back to this, the main thing to remember is that God has the provision and making sure you're going to be in the current heaven. Isn't that the main thing? And back, so we're going to quickly look at our chart here to, f to sum up. The, uh, again, they're out there if you want them. This is to try to help you understand some people look at this and they're like, ah, well, don't look at it then. Um, turn it over, you know. 
this helps me because I was a math major and we did a lot of charts and stuff. And so when you look at this, for today, this, this top part is the main thing. If you get this, the rest of it is just arranging deck chairs on the boat. Just make sure the boat's going the right spot. Right? You know, when we die, this, you know, and this is inevitable. We have to talk about this stuff. Because it's going to happen. Either this is going to happen or this is going to happen. Second coming. That's your only two choices, folks. There are no other choices. Either you're going to have a judgment of faith when you die or you're going to have a, another ju a judgment of faith at the second coming if you're still here. So if he comes tomorrow, which I am not predicting, we'll get this. Unless one of us dies today, then we'll get this. But the idea is a judgment of faith. And those scriptures, are, Ephesians 2, 1 is this one to remember. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not of work so that no one may boast. You do not get saved by what you do. You get by saved by what Jesus did. That is the gospel in a nutshell. So you have this, do you believe in Jesus and trust him? Yes, current heaven, paradise, Abraham's bosom, if you want to go with a parable. No, current hell. Now, there are churches and religions that teach a lot of different things about this, and that's fine. They can teach whatever they want. It's just not biblical. And what we say in our statement of faith, and this is what we believe. We believe this is true. Whether you believe it or not, it's kind of up to you. That's up to you and God. You don't have to. It's a semi-free country. You can believe whatever you want. But Jesus believed this. I mean, this makes the cross very important. If we're all going to heaven like dogs, because all dogs go to heaven, right? There's a movie. There's like two movies. Maybe there's three. I don't know. It's probably only on Apple Plus, which I don't have. But... Uh, but I, you, you look at this, you know, if everybody goes to heaven, then what's the cross for? Isn't the cross a solution? Well, there must be a problem. <laughs> and the gospel puts that out there. Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? You're going to hell? We had that last week, right? Your default destination. That's not the good news. That's the bad news. The good news is repent and believe the gospel and you don't go there anymore. You, don't, you aren't where the rich man are, is you're at where, where, where Lazarus is. So this is the key. You know, this all is down here because people have questions about where there is a new heaven and a new earth and there is a lake of fire. But notice the arrow. Whoever ends up here ends up here. Whoever ends up here ends up here. There's no crossing over. Nothing in the Bible teaches that. Now, if God wants to do that, that's up to him. He's not revealed that at all. I would not bet on it. In fact, I wouldn't bet on much anything. But I wouldn't bet on that. Again, do we believe that Jesus is not only the way and the life, but also the truth? Is he the one that gives us the truth? And our church has always put that up there. That's what E-Free churches do. Lots of churches do. I'm not saying that, that we're better than the others in that point. But when you come here, you, I hope you get the idea that this is the key. Know this. Know this for sure. Whether or not this is physical or not, I think it's fun to talk about. In fact, you know what? I did a whole, did a whole sermon on it. But it's not the main thing. The main thing is that you're there. And the main thing is, as this says, do you have a desire to be obedient to him, to show that the faith is real?
if you love me, keep my commandments. That's good. And if you're keeping his commandments and you're bored, I still think you're doing it wrong. Let's pray. Father, we know as we look at these texts, uh, a lot of unknowns about what we will experience when we die in the Lord. Uh, pray for each one here that number one thing is they have assurance that they are going to be there, that they know who your son is, that they've accepted the grace, that they do it by faith, and they try to live a life worthy of the calling. As we sing these songs, help us remember it's a privilege that you've given us uh, access to you through your son. May we be in your word, get to know you better, and dream and imagine about what the wondrous life you have in store for us. Amen.